When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Purple Daily. Last one for you, Brett, and it's uh, it's a difficult question, but I'm going to ask it. Certainly more uh, Trump, uh, difficult to answer since it looks in the future. It's the old crystal ball, and you even said yourself. I'll take this place else. You do. You cut me off. You, yeah. th- you think he will not end his career as a Green Bay Packer just like you? Um, my gut tells me no. And I just think that if you're playing for now, as all the, the teams in the league will tell you they are, or most will tell you that, uh, some certainly are not. But Green Bay is one of them that should should be playing for now. They don't draft any weapons, not just in the first round, but any weapons that can help immediately. To my knowledge. And that just sends a disrespect message to, to what I would think to Aaron Rodgers. He has, he has every right to be disappointed if he is. Brett! Brett Favre! Thank you, Brett! On the Rich Eisen Show, Brett Favre, who said that he talked with Aaron Rodgers and would not go into details, but said he was just surprised by the Jordan Love pick. And then Favre, before Rich Eisen can even ask the question, says he thinks Aaron Rodgers will eventually play somewhere else. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, it is Purple Daily, and Favre, the gift that keeps on giving to Minnesota, Sage. (laughs) You know, I didn't know if you mixed green and gold together, or is it yellow? I don't even know what the Packers' second color is. But you mix those two together. I didn't know that sometimes it ends up purple. (laughs) And like, well, this... End up purple in two years. Uh, this, that pick really was something else, and we didn't get into it that much on Monday. But you know, after Brett, of course, says those comments, this is a team that was in the NFC Championship game, right? Did I did thirteen I miss something and three? There? Yep, and NFC okay, Championship were, game. Thirteen and three, NFC Championship game. It seemed like to me, and, and we don't know how things are, of course, in the building and practice and how Aaron is and whatever that relationship is between Aaron and Matt LaFleur, the head coach, but it looked like to us that you know he was doing a lot of the things that you know that style of offense was was asking for you know they were going under center they were, but I, it, it was a it was a better product, very consistent football they had the running game, and they were close you know they they got, they got run up on on defense. 
So, you know, if that's your your issue is as to why you didn't go to the Super Bowl last year, you're thinking defensive line, you're thinking defensive end line, something to stop, you know, that uh, the that issue that they had last year in that championship game. We're not going to ru- get run on for 200 yards again uh, and, and not be able to stop the run. Uh, or, and or, obviously the wide receiver position round one, yep. you got to think. Deep draft round two, you got to think. And then just not even one in round seven. They didn't even like a free agent so much. That, I mean, with the... the it it almost makes it seem like like they were trying to piss Aaron off. <laughs> yes, um, yes. And, and and listen, and I know Matt Lafleur. I've never asked him like you know how his actual relationship, but I got to do a camp with him last summer in L.A., and those questions came up. I've got a great story. We're in this locker room, uh, and this is on. I, I'm sure I could probably find it. But I probably will put it out there, but uh, he's in. They're in this school locker. And we have all this video equipment. Matt Lafleur is doing a Q and A with about twenty-five high school quarterbacks, and it gets like an hour to do it. And they watch some film, but also they just talked. And I went in for sure for the second half of it, film portion, but the second half of it, and uh, and and the, it was sort of question after question about Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. What's it like to coach Aaron Rodgers? Uh, what's it like to? What do you do when you know he you know makes an amazing play or? Or when he goes off schedule, or you know, or would you, when when he you know this that and the other, and at some point he actually said, "Okay, any more questions? No more about Aaron Rodgers." <laughs> like that actually happened, and uh, and it went. You know, I think that you know, he's trying to, he's trying to teach these things these kids, and they're asking for you know leadership or this or that or coverages, and I think that's what he, more he wanted to talk about. But you know, kids love Aaron Rodgers. The kids that are seventeen, eighteen years old, they have grown up watching him. Uh, and his prime, he's done some amazing things. There's so many Favre uh, uh, um, correlations here, I mm-hmm. guess, or, or whatever. Like so many similarities in this situation between how they play. That Aaron, you know, sort of a gunslinger, but doesn't, but doesn't turn the ball over. That's the thing. But uh, and just how at the end of a career, like the the relationship sort of soured within that organization. Yep. yep. And there was a young quarterback drafted. Uh, and this one, I think, is even more shocking. I think this one's more shocking. Um, uh, and, um, you know, Favre had talked about, you know, retiring and things, you know, for a few years, probably at that right. point, and still yes. played for a few more years. I mean, there's this sort of ongoing. And there seems to be a soap opera. Maybe it's a little quieter, but with Aaron Rodgers as well, obviously, with the last coach, with this, that, and the other. But it seems to me that, I don't know what what the contract situation is and and how you know trades work and money and and all those things, but I I got to think that Matt Lafleur is wants to move on from Aaron Rodgers now if he could. Well, and that that's was... what it feels like to me because that's what you do in this situation is go let let just and and I also it, it, this is a guy they really loved. Sure, I didn't really love him. I didn't see Pat Mahomes. I saw a guy that was you know probably too inconsistent. Uh, uh, for my liking, um, but uh, you know he saw the upside, and I think he if he fell far enough, they'd have made a decision. We're looking if you know if he falls into the twenties or whatever, we're going to look to to go get this kid, and and they did that, and they found a, a, a somebody to 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 you know work with them, and and they got this draft pick they wanted. But Aaron Rodgers needed another receiver. Alan Lazard is basically his number two wide receiver. He's not a number two wide receiver in the NFL, at least not yet. I don't think. Uh, and you know they didn't help him out 
to make Aaron Rodgers better at all in this draft. Um, that you know they it, it, they they went for the future. That's what you do when you draft a quarterback with with some guys left on their on the bone. Is is you know the the the, the what, what am I trying to say the. Um, the Chargers and the Steelers—they have not, they didn't really do that, you know. And and with the, with the Giants, they did that in the last, pretty much like the last year. Like, okay, yeah, Eli, yeah, where it was very this clear, is it. right? That Eli, wasn't it was very clear, yeah. and that was not a surprise. And that, that, that that's the best way to do it. And I, I got to think Aaron's a couple more years from that, right? So, to me, I don't know if it's again, I don't know if it's a year from now. Or two years from now, I think he's got three years left on his deal. I don't know the money situation, all those, but I can see a year from now Aaron Rodgers playing for somebody else. Well, Who me... that is, I have no idea. But I think twenty NFL teams are, would be interested. Yeah, fifteen NFL teams would be interested because you know you think you can get two good years out of them, uh, and uh, or, or more, maybe even more, you know, with how guys are playing right now. But I thought this pick was very surprising. I thought it was a couple years too early. Um, they were just in the championship game, which means you're you know you're very very close. And the reason they got mopped up by them were the way their lines got beat, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. You know, uh, and and when I watched Aaron in, in the regular season two, Aaron was harassed repeatedly right off the bat in that game. It was a dominating performance, and obviously in the playoff game, it was the offensive line dominating the Packers' defensive line. And that's where they won that game. It, it was that because of these other things. So if you're gonna not go receiver, which they obviously everybody knows they needed, go in, you know, one of those line areas and they didn't even do that. So I think the Packers are moving on and they probably can't move on fast enough. That's what it feels like to me. Well, let me give you the salary cap situation and this might play into it. And and philosophically speaking, it's not a terrible idea to be thinking forward with the quarterback position. This particular prospect is where I get hung up on because I think he is much more of a project and has every single thing that you would think would go bust, like lots of turnover-worthy plays, isn't always that accurate, and and so forth. But the contract situation with Rodgers does justify the thought of eventually moving on because this year, in 2020, his salary cap hit is going to be $21 million. Totally reasonable, totally manageable. 2021, that goes up to 36, and in 2022, that is almost $40 million cap hit. And here is the situation if they wanted to trade him. After June 1st, they can trade him and only take on any of the next three years about $14 million in dead cap space, which is manageable. But you have to do it after June 1st. If you do it before June 1st, they can't really trade him until uh, 2022. So they could decide to do it this year. They could decide to do it next year. I mean, I doubt it's this year, but um, they've created certainly the most uncomfortable situation in the world for Aaron Rodgers. And I agree with you, Sage, when you say it's not the same with Favre. Favre looked like he was on his last legs. He obviously proved that wrong in Minnesota, but he looked that way in Green Bay. He had repeatedly talked about retiring. Rodgers has said he wants to play until he's 40 years old or more, which is where this contract takes him through. And also the fact that he just went 13-3 and and took you to an NFC championship. Now, yesterday we had Rob Domofsky on, who said that this was not Matt LaFleur's pick. This is the front office. But I've got to think, Sage, that you're not making a pick of a quarterback unless you're talking with your head coach about what type of quarterback he wants to take over this role at some point. You, you wouldn't do it without... Asking your head coach how you do, how do you feel about Rogers long term? Should we be looking toward the future? Which one of these guys would fit? 
And I wonder if Rogers, uh, if Greg Cosell, who was on Rich Eisen's show yesterday, is onto something when he talked about Rogers just not really being the type of quarterback that Matt Lafleur really wants for his system. Yeah, you know, Aaron does try to probably create more than Lafleur would like, and and you know, let like let's look what uh, where Lafleur came from. All right, from Tennessee, their offense. All right, so Matt Lafleur basically built that offense last year, and they ran a continuation of it. It's the zone scheme, and Ryan Tannehill had an amazing career. He was efficient. He he made plays, but he wasn't like you know doing all schedule stuff. Aaron's just always done so much off off schedule stuff that sometimes. As a play caller, as a, as a as a as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, it's like sometimes you feel like the play is there, uh, and if he would just use the old fashioned, like you know, you take your three steps. If he's not there, you're gonna uh, uh, drop drop a step and, and hit your check down over the ball and just move on, you know. Mm-hmm. And but yeah. Aaron likes to try to create too much, right? And I and I think that can like sort of make a. Um, a head coach rip his hair out because it's like, man, if you just run the offense like we've talked about, like we're going to do this read versus this coverage, nine out of ten times you're going to get the completion. But for, for whatever reason, you're deciding because this will linebacker is a step or so this way, you're going to go out and pump somebody then try to throw it behind his ear when I'm looking to the other side of the field and that guy was open versus that coverage that we had talked about, right? So those types of things are, are can be hard for coaches. Coaches like to be controlling and they don't like those types of surprises. It's why you practice and do those things. But Aaron's always done those things. I did think he cut down on those a lot last yeah. year. I will say I felt like, because I remember I went back and rewatched that San Francisco Green Bay game, and San Francisco was tearing it up. But he he was holding on to the ball again, you know, sort of too much. Yep. He yep. does hold on to the ball. He generally does take a lot of sacks. Um, he does a lot of good things too, and I think Lafleur is looking for a little bit more, you know, uh, consistently consistency in, in those types of things. So he still rarely throws the football uh, uh, to the other team. He does take a lot of sacks, and and you know, I don't know. I, I who knows? We don't know how their relationship is uh, at all. I know this: the, the Packers were thirteen and three last year. They had a very balanced and, and good offense. They didn't have. A premier uh, wide receiver. I think Jimmy Graham doesn't is is not a premier tight end in any way. I think he's just sort of a guy at this point. Uh, you know they need some weapons. I, you love their running game, um, and uh, you know their defense was sometimes good. And obviously we saw in the championship game not always great, but um, the whole thing is, is is really is something else. And I think we'll know a lot more obviously as the summer progresses. Well, I, and I think that if you are the Vikings and you're looking at how things played out for the rest of the NFC North, while Detroit still has a very bad head coach, even if they had a good draft, and uh, you know, who did Detroit get? I did pay attention to everybody all that close. Well, Jeff Okuda is a huge win for them, even yes. though we. Well, knew if that you're a top happen. five team, yes. you, 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 yes. you get a, you get the best corner. Like that should be okay. You got an A plus in your draft. Good job, your top <laughs> right. five pick. Right, you know? it, it helps them. I'm not giving them credit for it, especially, but it is good for them. Uh, they also got DeAndre Swift, who is uh, the running back, best running back in the entire draft. Which you know, I, I still think it might have been too high to draft one, but if you can get the best running back in the entire draft, so they got immediate yeah. impact players. They've signed some players in the off season. I think they added Jamie Collins, so they've got more talent. Um, but still, it's hard to believe in them until they change their coach. And then you have, uh, you know, uh, Chicago. Like, who's terrified of Nick Foles starting 16 games? And you know, Matt Nagy is still their head coach, so I'm not really convinced about them. They well, got a tight end though. Yeah, no, oh, they did. Chicago one had ten tight, tight ends end. on the yes. roster, and then they cut one named Dax. 
So, <laughs> so now they have nine. Sorry, Dax, you're nine. the odd man out. We're going to keep nine of these. So they don't look like they know what they're doing really either. And when you sign Nick Foles instead of, say, like Cam Newton or Teddy Bridgewater, you're saying nine and seven. That's what we're going for, everyone. Nine and seven. So we keep our jobs and, and we blame Mike Trubisky. I, I did hear, now I'm thinking about this, talking to uh, somebody in the Bears uh, uh, hierarchy, that they were going to try to run more under center zone, sort of like the Vikings offense. They went back and they saw the plays where they actually ran bootlegs and they actually ran play action, and Trubisky's numbers were way better. So we might see a little bit different style next year, but, you know, it's uh, it's I, I, I don't see... I don't see him ever getting that much better. He sort of is where he is at this point, especially in this offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is you also have, if you were going to try to do more bootlegs and stuff with Trubisky, but then you signed a quarterback who is very much shotgun RPO, and that's where he succeeded when he was in Philadelphia. So, All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a hit at some Bears coaching for a second here, okay? That offense that Nagy likes to run is is not – you know, bootleg play action. It's, you know, a lot of what Mahomes does. And they do some RPO stuff and they spread it out and they run a lot of jet sweeps and whatever. So it's a, a different style. So when they try to do those things, and I watch their tape every single Tuesday morning, they do a Chicago radio show on Tuesday. And it's like they don't, they don't know the details. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think playing for, for me, playing for Coobs, playing for Kyle, who are always, you know, those, that offense is always the best in the league at, you know, quarterback yardage outside the pocket on pass plays down the field and blah, blah, blah. They know the fine details of it. And I watch Chicago do it. I'm like, oh, they don't coach it the right way. And you just, I've seen it coached the right way and the wrong way. And they just don't. And so even when um, they do th- those plays, they're just not as crisp. They're not as clean. Uh, they don't fool the defense as much because they just don't know those details because that's not Matt Nagy's thing. And so it's trying to sort of run the VHS copy of somebody else's mm-hmm. offense. And so I don't know how good that will ever actually be because I don't think they know the details of the bootleg game because it's not Maggie's thing. So we have Chicago seems like they're at best kind of a 500 or maybe slightly above team at best. If things work out for them, Detroit, I still don't trust. And here you have the Packers who I would have said, who if they add Denzel Mims or LaVisca Chenault or one of these playmaking wide receivers, they could actually be pretty dangerous next year because they're just coming off of a really, really good season in Matt LaFleur's first year. And then what they do is they throw a firebomb on their own 13-3 and team that just had, by the way, Pro Football Focus had Aaron Rodgers as the eighth-best quarterback in the league. So even faded Aaron Rodgers can win 13 games and still be a top-10 quarterback, and your choice is to implode that with the way that you handle the draft, alienate your quarterback with the hopes that this guy, who's not a great prize, prospect in Jordan Love someday becomes something really good for you. I don't really get it. I think that actually Pittsburgh took the the better approach in just saying, you know what, uh, Ben Roethlisberger really didn't like when we drafted even a third-round quarterback, so forget it. Let's just let it play out, and somebody <laughs> yeah, else will just, be our quarterback later. We'll burn the we'll burn the the uh, the bridge at the end of the whole thing, and it'll be done, and we'll we'll build a backup immediately or something. I just get it's going to be a bad year or something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I was looking at the Vikings and, you know, talk about, you know, Packers, you'd think they'd be in win-now mode, as yes, are the Vikings. Absolutely. Both playoff teams both got uh, advanced in the playoffs. The Vikings had needs. 
right? We talked about their needs incessantly for, what, three months or <laughs> something, did, yes. four months. Uh, and wide receiver, big need, lost, lost uh, Stephon Diggs. They draft a wide receiver. Cornerback, obviously, they need one, if not two, cornerbacks in this draft. They go number two at cornerback. And they need a tackle. They need a tackle. If they can upgrade, there was obviously the whole issue with the Trent Williams trade. That was a real thing. That legitimately was a real thing. Uh, didn't happen. So they, they draft, obviously, the best tackle probably at, at that spot for them. Um, and then, oh, yeah, they, they need that second corner. Let's do another cornerback. You know, they lost Everson Griffin, defensive end. Yeah, they got some young guys they like, but, okay, defensive end. Like, they did everything that you would think you would need to fill the holes that they yes. have. Yep, yep, you know, which is why everyone gave them There's not a random tight end in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. Um, um, so, you know, they're drafting the win now, and the Packers draft, you know, and then they're, they're even how about the the other running back? I think they drafted a running back in the third round, maybe uh, second round. I'm not second sure. Second round. Second round. That yeah, he's Dillon. like sort of a power back. Yeah, you know he's not like a Alvin Kamara to get to Aaron to throw the ball to. Uh, you know, he's a like a power straight ahead north and south runner that fits that offense. So it's like, um, you know, that doesn't really help out. It does help out Aaron, but they ran the ball well with the other two guys last year. They had two running backs that they, they I believe they liked. And if anything, they need probably a scat back on third down who can, you know, uh, you know, get you big down on one-on-one uh, matchups and things like that. They didn't. They go with the power back, which yeah. is like, okay, now we're even going to more take the ball out of your hands, Aaron, because we need a th- another running back that's, uh, you know, not a, not a pass-catching guy. So it's, I mean, it's, it, it, it was like, that was like the, the, the stamp on the, the Jordan Love pick was like, okay, we really are going to take the ball out of your hands Yes, now. if they had picked nothing but playmakers after that, kind of like Denver did. I mean, Denver went into this draft with Cortland Sutton, who's a great receiver, and they said, you know what, that's not enough. Let's get Jerry Judy. Let's get K.J. Hamler. Let's fill this offense around Drew Locke so we can really figure out if Drew Locke can play. Because if he can't play with all these receivers, then we are going to need to get somebody else who can. And the Packers, in desperate need of playmakers that were all over this draft. There's guys in the late rounds that I like. There's guys like K.J. Hill from Ohio State. I mean, when you're that good at the Senior Bowl in Ohio State, you could probably play a little. You're in the late rounds, and they still ignore you. So I guess my question is, you know, coming out of this, I mean, we've got to look at the Vikings as the favorite for the NFC North, right? You have to think so. I think they improved their team tremendously in this draft. I really do. And these players have to work out. I watched, you know, and I said to you, I'm going to watch tape on all these guys, and then we can talk about each one, and I'll just sort of go off of the various uh, highlights and various plays I I sort of saw how they move, and you start looking at their length and how they might fit in the scheme. But there was a lot of players yeah, that I had yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to go through. And there were some guys I, I really did like their style in the later rounds and some guys that, was, that are, I'm sitting there going, like, ah, there's nothing I really saw special out of them. You know, as an example, uh, the defensive end, DJ Wanham from South Carolina. Yeah. I didn't see anything special. I saw him play the in the Alabama game, and, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a – I don't know. It just didn't seem like he's a Everson Griffin pass rusher. It didn't seem like he was over, overtly explosive or or fast or anything. And we'll see how he ends up. But there was other guys I saw even lower that I was like, oh, I like the way that guy plays or or some of his information. And I see why they picked him. And so you know, there's a lot of guys to talk about in this draft. But you know, the, the Vikings definitely filled their holes. Okay, I, I want to I want to go through those when we come back for some of the things that stuck out to you. You do not have to break down every seventh round pick. 
um, and what you saw on on tape. But there is one particular guy that I watched quite a bit of and wrote about at our website that I'm intrigued to get your reaction to some of his tape um, and talk about him a little bit. But I want to ask when we return, where's Aaron playing in 2022? Or at least, or maybe even 2021. Which teams look like they are sort of destined to eventually need quarterbacks? We'll, we'll talk about that when we return. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, and a little dash of Brett Favre as well uh, in audio version when we return here on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business during the coronavirus pandemic. You can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. We are all in this together, and we need your support to help our local community. To hear from our area partners, please visit scorenorth.com and use the keyword open. As we uh, have been talking about for the first part of the show, Brett Favre was on Rich Eisen and was talking about the whole Aaron Rodgers Green Bay situation. Was talking about how Aaron felt about that that uh, pick in the first round, and here's what he said: Well, Aaron and I get along great, and I did talk to him. I'm not going to uh, talk about all that we talked about, but he uh, he was let's just say surprised that uh, that they went in that direction. Surprised. This just keeps getting better. Same Aaron Rodgers. I think everybody was surprised by that pick. Uh, And now we have more news. Uh, Do you need to do anything else with that? Okay, thank you, Jonathan. We we have more news. Like, this day is too much for me right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Because uh, Sage, apparently the Washington football team had an opportunity last year to trade Trent Williams before the deadline for a first-round pick. And Ron Rivera said this out loud um, to a reporter in D.C. said, from what I was told, there was an opportunity to, before the trade deadline that he was worth a first-round pick, but for whatever reason, that deal was not done. <laughs> oh, that is that is gold right what there. Did, what did he get traded for to San Francisco? A fifth and a third. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's amazing. What a well-run organization they consistently are. And then Ron Rivera saying well, it out loud makes it even funnier. What would you and and Mike? Is there a new contract? Is he getting a new contract? Does anybody know that or not? Uh, it, it was reported that he is not signing an extension. That he's going to play on his current deal, which made me wonder if that was part of the holdup with Minnesota. There was a report that he didn't want to come to Minnesota, but I wondered, well, why would that be? I mean, it's not because it's a, like a bad team or anything like yeah. that. It would have to be that they wanted him to sign a contract extension, and maybe he wants to go prove how well he could play and then be the high. Highest paid left tackle in the NFL. That he would, just seemed to want to get out, like he just wanted out of there. Yeah, and you I wonder I mean? if if you've got a couple of options, you know, do you take the one where you could sort of prove you could still play and get a bigger deal, or the extension that they want you to sign? It's very hard to figure out because this whole thing has been murky. But so you, uh, would you have funny. given up a third and a fourth for him? For for is it just a one year deal? Then that all he has there. So. Would you? I mean, for for Trent Williams, I wouldn't have done that deal. Yeah, you know, if you right? didn't, if you didn't have to sign him to the long term extension, I would say yes. 
But having to sign him to the long-term extension, which sounded like it was part of it with the Vikings, that's where I got nervous because of his injury history, his age, and the price that it would cost when you just don't really have the money. I thought, you know, it's better to just go with Ezra Cleveland and develop him. And even if he never becomes a Trent Williams and he just becomes a solid player at that position, well, you're still having his full rookie contract where you don't have to pay him crazy money, which is what you're going to have to pay Trent Williams. I mean, it's probably in the range of 18 to 20 million based on his history. Yeah, and and I also know that that deal, you know, Joe Staley, the left tackle, was retiring, and and that was, I don't know if he was even much of a rumor. It stayed pretty quiet for a long time, and then I, I believe it was all sort of held under the table uh, because they were either going to draft somebody or try to make this trade. So, you know, basically that, that all happened at the same time. Joe Staley retires and they've signed Trent Williams and or, or trade for Trent Williams, I should say. So, and again, he knows that offense. That is a scheme that he came up in when, when the Shanahan's were in Washington. So, and, and he, that's, I think he plays best in that, that style of offense. I thought he would have been a good, good match for the Vikings. Ath- big athletic guy, strong guy, uh, and, and, and a pretty good pass protector, big guy with uh, with, with good feet. So, I, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that does play for for two or three or more years. But uh, you know, we will see. And, and the Vikings went with a young guy. They went with a guy that's probably not as athletic, but you know, does run well in this Ezra Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does look look like he's got good technique. Uh, when I watch him on film, he's not sloppy. He's got good balance, but uh, doesn't seem overly powerful. It's not like he's blowing yeah. guys off the yep. ball. Uh, but uh, you know, might be one of those guys that you know. That we'll, we'll see if his you know. I don't know if he's over athletic, but he does run well. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that pick goes. Uh, you know, with a young guy, and of course, they still have Riley Reef at that spot, who, who played well last year, but not great. And, and that's a, the position that if you could get a really, really good player, uh, that would really help out uh, Kirk Cousins. And and uh, he needs that protection. He's not one of those guys that can. Uh, have a great game with a bad left tackle. Well, let me find out on our relative athletic scores exactly how athletic Ezra Cleveland is, um, because I think they should have it on here. In comparison, the Tristan Wirfs, the kid from yeah, he from was Mount Vernon, he was Iowa. like next level freakish. The the video of him uh, jumping out of a swimming pool. It looks like it's about <laughs> a three and a half, four foot pool. You know, it's on the kids' end or whatever, and he jumps out of this thing. He's three hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, is uh, the guy that that's a heck of an athlete right there? So he, this, so Ezra Cleveland is definitely not that. Uh, let's see here, but he did score actually as the number one relative athletic score to his just his uh, height weight compared to how he ran the forty, the three cone, and all those other things. He scored just ahead of Mackay Becton and Tristan Wirfs. Now that doesn't mean it's exactly the same type of athleticism because you know people get the combine and real football athleticism sort of mixed up. But what it tells you is that I think that it gives him a high ceiling, though, when someone has those athletic gifts and performs that way at the Combine, that if you can develop them like they did with Brian O'Neill, you can have somebody that sort of quickly turns into a very, very good player, maybe even better than they were in college. You know, speaking of tackles, Blake Brandle, who the Vikings picked up in the sixth round from Oregon State, I sort of liked him. You, you know, he reminded me a little bit of Eric Winston. Like maybe he should be a right tackle. Uh, he's six seven. Uh, Eric Winston was was the right tackle for the Texans when I was there. I think just retired about a year ago. So had like a nice ten twelve. 13-year run, the, the the president of the Players Association, but sort of a big, strong guy, 
and uh, and I thought moved well. You know, he was playing left tackle at Oregon State, but uh, I was impressed by some of the the attributes for you know being a big guy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I thought you know from what I saw, uh, you know, has some some athletic ability and, and some technique and and some toughness and, and the way he finishes people and he's physical. Uh, maybe a maybe a right tackle for him, but uh, you know the Vikings looking for at, at two guys at, at that tackle position uh, in, in this in this last draft. So it turns out that uh, their sixth round pick. Brendel had the best rate of keeping pressure off his quarterback of anybody in the entire draft. So, you know, he doesn't have the athletic gifts as maybe some other guys do, but they certainly picked a guy that the numbers pointed to. He knows how to pass protect. And uh, somebody said, I think it was the pro football focus draft guide said that if uh, Makai Becton has this guy's hands and technique, he would be Orlando Pace, basically. Yeah. Like, like he, is, he is really well-developed. So, you know, a lot of people criticize the Vikings for not drafting enough offensive linemen in the late rounds, but they did get two of them in terms of a developmental tackle in uh, Blake Brendel and then their very last pick, Kyle Hinton. Which Kyle I'm, Hinton. I, let's, I, we, we need to follow this guy as his your career. You're, you're intrigued by Kyle Hinton? I'm, in, I'm intrigued by him for a couple of reasons. Okay. Okay. Um, he is from a small school, Division Two Washburn. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not. Do you know where that is? Nope, not a clue. I have no idea where Everyone, that is. Everyone, okay. every college that I don't know where it is, I guess North Carolina. Do you have his numbers? Is he six two? I can okay. get him. But he, but he played tackle. Uh, I see. I was doing a little research this morning. Played tackle in college, um, but he's only six two, so he's more of a guard yeah. size. You got to be a little longer to, to play tackle. But he had very, very good numbers. I, I believe he ran a. Uh, four nine something like he can move pretty well. You know, a small guy that can move, and he was strong. I think he had like thirty four bench presses of two twenty five. So, uh, you know, a, a shorter, strong guy that can run. I've seen those guys do well in this in this offense. So, you know, I can't say a ton about his technique and all those things, but maybe that's a spot where they see a guy and they go, you, you know, maybe he wasn't coached well in college or this that and the other and get sort of overlooked but uh you know it, it, rick dennison's a very good technique coach and if you can get a guy like that I, i've seen them have success in the style system yeah, so i want to keep on uh a kyle hitton from washburn okay this, i did uh, this, i did also uh, uh i saw some highlights of his which i know highlights are highlights but he's got a little edge to him you know not just finishing guys but you've really, got a little edge to you it's true uh <laughs> Ask Matt Patricia. Uh, literally taking him all the way to the ground and slamming guy, like finishing his blocks and things like that. So he looks like he was a real dominant player at Washburn. But uh, let me ask you what you thought of. All, by the way, all you can really do with some of these draft picks, like you can't go through all and try to watch all these games. So what you do is obviously you watch highlights. At least you get to see what the good stuff that they do. And you yep. don't know how they're consistent all the time or how many times they got beat for the goal balls. But you see their length and you see if they can tackle and you see – these various things, and and the the best part is you're going through these highlights made by who knows what people they are on YouTube, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes they've got good uh, some music to them, uh, so that's I'm I'm judging the player based off of the music that I'm hearing <laughs> and like sort of the the vibe the the players putting out or maybe whoever made the thing is putting out like who's the college kid sitting in his dorm making this video about this random player for this team that the Vikings drafted, you know, it's, right. so it's I'm, all these things are going through my mind of course and i'm trying to actually just see how their body moves and and how their uh you know you see the, again you see their length you see some of their ball skills and, and athletic skills and things like 
things like that. But it's funny always searching through uh, the Internet. Uh, you never know what you're going to find. Well, let me ask you what you thought of Cameron Dantzler, because the more that I investigated what the draft analysts thought of him, uh, the more I came away with this is a legitimate draft steal, like somebody who clearly doesn't know how to run a 40-yard dash and, yeah. and maybe didn't get that right with whoever he worked with leading up to the combine, uh, but is on tape fast enough to run with Jamar Chase straight down the sideline. And Jamar Chase is probably going to be a top five draft pick next He's year. Awesome, He's awesome, by the way. He's unreal. He's like Julio Jones sort of Joe Burrow. I was watching Joe Burrow's film just this you know this winter offseason, whatever. And then obviously then the Vikings drafting Justin Jefferson. So there's yeah. aspects of the game. But... The, uh, this kid Chase, number one, it was play after play yeah. after play. He's, he's he different. is going to be a stud. I hate it when guys wear number one. I'm like, that dude should be wearing number one. Like, <laughs> he's he's a stud, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be a top, a high pick, but, a high pick next year. So. And, and Dantzler did really well against him. And uh, one time, Joe Burrow throws him a go ball, and Dantzler runs right with him. And I think Chase is going to be a guy who runs like a four three or something when he yeah, finally yep. gets there. So you know, a play speed versus the combine number and everything else. I like long guys. I like long guys. Like, uh, Please yeah, pull that quote, like cor- Jonathan. Yeah, cornerbacks. <laughs> I said it twice. So you, so you, get so you really time. got it. I like de- defensive backs who have long arms, especially. You know, and uh, because there's so much they have to do with their hands and with their arms and the punches they have to do, and it's like a boxer sometimes, and a lot of times, lanky guys are they're good for the um, with ball skills for whatever reason. They're probably good basketball players from their high school, but those guys uh, I, I think can be good man-to-man corners. You know, they're usually not great tacklers. But I tell you what, I saw this kid come up uh, and, and hit people. He wasn't scared to get in there. You know, so you have your Antoine Winfields, but then you have on the other end of the cornerback position guys like Cameron Dancer. And I was very impressed. Not only by the highlights that I saw, but but it's exactly what you were saying in that in that LSU game. He was uh, he did very very well against uh, one of the best receivers in the country. Yeah, I think if there's the best sort of value pick for them of where they got him versus how good he has the potential to be, that uh, Dantzler might be that guy that we go. You know, I didn't really think about that much because we were so focused on Gladney and Jefferson and Cleveland, and then he ends up uh, surprising us. Who else uh, in? Well, your... I, I can go through them all. We're sort of through the top four here what we sort of talked about in, in one way or another uh gladney i was impressed with seemed like sort of like a playmaker he's not overly tall not overly fast but like just sort of uh he's physical you know he's sort of like a mike hughes uh a type of type of player yep, maybe yep. I, um, I definitely think they're fast, similar not as fast as hughes uh we're going down here yeah the, the, from the guy from the defensive end from south carolina nothing i saw was really impressive uh, the the defensive tackle from Baylor. He was playing defensive end. Yep. He was a thicker defensive end. I liked his quote unquote motor, and not just because <laughs> he's a white guy, but just the way he had some tenacity to him. Uh, but uh, what, you know, so but I could see like a sage I, quote Twitter or something. I, at I this could point. see I, I could see uh, uh, him as a guy who could maybe gain ten pounds in the interior. Uh, he was a good pass rusher. I, I like some of the stuff he was. He was doing it at the defensive end position. Troy Dye, there's a linebacker from Oregon. He's long and li- like a long and and 
more slender guy. He's like not thick. So I think he's like 6'4", uh, but maybe only 225 pounds. I mean, that's me. So that's uh, not an uh, NFL <laughs> right. linebacker by any means. Um, and but you know again like long armed sort of a sort of like a linebacker type of what uh, Cameron Dantzler as as that corner you yeah, know just you know, sort of like a longer limbed guy I, I don't know if that's he would be like a really good guy in special teams maybe or or uh, or even some sort of safety like a Javon Curse I something I mean I don't know he he just was not very big and that's what concerned me uh, about him. Um, the cornerback from Temple, Harrison Hand, uh, if I recall, he went to Baylor out of high school, and then he transferred to East Mississippi Community College. No, 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 this is not right. He went to Baylor, and his coach went to Temple, uh, and he went and, and, and he, he went grew up him. in Temple, I think, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, grew up in Philadelphia. For him. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, and so he went back to school there and had a nice career. Um, he's a, He sort of reminds me a little bit. Of uh, of the other cornerback, um, uh, Gladney, you know that type of player. Mm-hmm. Not a not a long, lanky guy, but um, I, I like some of the things that he was doing and and uh, in the way he moved. He's a thick. I think he'd be a good tackler. He could be a guy more like uh, Antoine Winfield. Uh, we uh, KJ Osborne, um, a receiver from Miami. Uh, he was he was strong. It's a good route Not a burner. Not super fast. Good punt Pretty returner. good with the ball in his hands, uh, and he can return punts. Yep. So sort of like a tweener receiver, not a small guy who's super quick and not a big guy. So you know, he may, maybe BC Johnson, uh, a similar type of player. Like you know, I, I can yep. see him being yep. a quality player, but nothing really blew me away. Uh, we talked about the tackle from Oregon, uh, Blake Brandle. Uh, the safety from uh, Metellus from Michigan. I liked this kid again. A, a lanky guy likes to hit people. When he plays free safety, he's not playing way d- deep at all, and he plays. He wants to get his nose in there. He's maybe overly aggressive, but he's he wants to to be a hitter, and he has like physical numbers that make you go, huh? He might have a chance. He might have a chance to be a good football player. So instinctual player and, and likes to get in there. We'll, we'll see how he ends up as a sixth rounder. The Michigan State defenseman was a walk-on, turn defensive end. Uh, I, I, again, a guy that uh, a sneaky athletic, you know, sneaky athletic defensive end, uh, and 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 I, I think he's a pretty good player. People really liked him. I, I, I think that he was one of the better defensive ends in the Big Ten conference, mm-hmm. and for maybe a guy that didn't test out great, but I think he's a player. I, I really like the way he played. Like Stanley, we talked about the other day. This pick doesn't make a ton of sense to me. We'll see how it goes. Big, stiff guy, not super accurate. Strong arm, though. Can make a lot of throws, but uh, I, I just don't see it as a, as a guy that could end up being a, a, an NFL quarterback. Um, so, uh, and then you know, Mississippi State. Was this the kid? This was a kid that was um uh, uh, Brian Cole, East Mississippi Community College, I believe. Yeah. Is yeah, that correct? Yep, yep, that's right. He was on. Yeah, so. He went Last to, chance you, I think. He may have gone to, I think it was Baylor, but maybe another school. Ends up at East Mississippi Community College, which is that last chance you, and then goes to Mississippi State, and uh, and you know more of a down safety in the box safety, mm-hmm. not a cover guy. 
and probably a good could be a special teams guy. Like these guys like this, a lot of times I'm like, I, I bet they'd be good on special teams because that's where they're going to have to make their money. Remember like Jamarcus Stan- Sanford? All right, he was a thick, shorter safety that the Vikings drafted. I believe in 09 he was a rookie, and he didn't fit that safety prototype, but he was really good on special teams. And then when he got his chance after a couple years, he, he played some at safety. He was pretty good, but was more of a hitter, but didn't have those like combine attributes, wasn't super fast. So maybe you know, a guy like Brian Cole is that. And, and, and the last guy, is, of course, is Kyle Hinton uh, from, from Washburn, Division II, uh, played tackle, but now has to play guard, and, and, and that makes more sense. He's 6'2", but it looks like he can run in his good physical attributes. So uh, I like him as a guy that could work well in this style of offense. Okay, so just on Die and Metellus, they, those are both candidates for big nickel. For guys that uh, don't exactly fit as corners or safeties or linebackers, but sort of fit as a little bit of all three. Maybe not die for corner. Maybe the Vikings could play big dime, and they have, they have yeah, two big nickels yeah. in there, and they're both, you know. I, I think they, that, it, if it works out, these two guys could be multi-positional, is the way that I look at it. Is that They could give them some flexibility with their defense that Mike yep. Zimmer hasn't really needed to ever have. Like, sometimes we ask, well, why isn't he doing this or that or the other thing? Well, that's because he has stars at every single position, so he just keeps playing them the way that it's working, but he might need to... Uh, up the ante a little bit with mixing some of these players in. And Metellus has a great shot at making the team because there's no other backup safeties. So, you know, he could be somebody to keep an eye on. Um, and, you know, with the safety position, and it makes does make sense drafting safeties, one, the safeties and linebackers, those guys play on special teams. And there's there's advantage to drafting sort of too many of those guys sometimes. You always sort of need those types of players. And two, obviously, the the scenario with uh, the Vikings' free safety position is: Do they want to trade? Can they work a long-term deal? And now we've got maybe a little leverage. Let, let's just say Metellus ends up being a stud, and they love him. Oh well, you know, maybe we should let him go yeah. and have a young guy who's really expensive. We think can be the guy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just a scenario. So it does give them some, I guess, leverage and not maybe some options uh, when they're dealing with their, the current contract, uh, you know, situation. Uh, at free safety. Well, that is Sage grinding the tape uh, in fast motion to run through all of the draft picks that we could. Um, There's but, a lot of them. good There's stuff. Uh, let me ask you before we wrap up, where is Aaron Rodgers going to play in 2021? So I made a list of teams that after 2020 could have open quarterback situations, and this is either old quarterback or guys that uh, could go bust. And I will just quickly read my list. I've got Buffalo, the Jets, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Washington, Dallas, Cleveland, Indianapolis, New England, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, and Denver. Where could Aaron Rodgers go? Well, I like uh, um, the Los Angeles Raiders. Vegas Raiders. Don't offend Jonathan. I'm sorry. sorry, The Vegas Raiders, excuse me. (laughs) That's who I. Uh, that makes sense to me. That team makes uh, a lot of sense to me. And they drafted some weapons to be able to put around Derek drafted Carr. Weapons, but I've I have gotten the sense from several people that Gruden doesn't hate Derek Carr, but he also just sort of sees a guy that has sort of hit his ceiling and is what he is. That he's not going to be like a a transformational quarterback for a franchise. It's sort of that twelve and four year was a little bit of pop up for him, and he's more yeah. of an eight and eight type of quarterback. Well, and, and but you know, is and they got those draft picks. They know they're good. What's the hurry? What's the hurry to that guy there? And yep. every year, there's it seems like more than ever lately, there's like a surprise. 
Um, or, you know, over time, you, you slowly, you know, he went out and got Mariota, who's you know, has been a starter, was a high draft pick, and, mm-hmm. and maybe yep. he runs the offense better than Carr does, for whatever reason, Gruden's style of offense. But I do know this. John Gruden loves veteran quarterbacks. Uh-huh. Uh, he loved a veteran quarterback in Rich Gannon in Oakland, who won the MVP under uh, uh, John Gruden's uh, uh, tutelage. And then I, he liked Brad Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything but a young guy. And, and they won, of course, with defense, but... He had the veteran quarterback who could run the offense, who could remember all the things. John loves to have like nine plays in the huddle, and then the quarterback <laughs> has to, based off of everything, you know, pick the best one. Yep. And you have to have a veteran do that. Uh, and he that's you know he loves that type of stuff. And he like Brian Greasy in Tampa. You know, there's a just really smart guys who had to have a lot of information. I don't believe in that style. I think it can be a little bit too much, but you you can do it um, if. Uh, you have the, that veteran quarterback, and I can just see uh, that would make a total sense. Aaron's also from the West Coast; he's from California, so it's right down the road. They're going to have, a, of course, a whole new situation, whole new stadium, the whole thing. Aaron can play in much better weather at the end of his career. Um, you know, so that deal makes a ton of sense to me in one year, or even maybe some, maybe less. Yes, like, maybe I don't less. know. Who knows? Maybe less. I have no idea. You know, like maybe, maybe Aaron pulls a Aaron, Carson Palmer. Says Trey Aaron uh, sets up a FaceTime uh, <laughs> phone conversation on a Zoom thing, and uh, and and he tells Matt Lafleur that I'm not doing this. You'll never see me step foot in Green Bay, Wisconsin again. Find a way to get rid of me, and then Groot. You know, however it works out. And next week we're talking about this crazy two weeks for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Who knows? you just sounded really old there with the FaceTime and the Zoom attempt. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know what? I, here's one thing I'll say about Las Vegas: when they signed John Gruden to a ten-year contract, you went, "What? Like what? Wait, wait. Who in this league ever gets that type of job security?" But you know, if executives were always thinking of 10-year plans as opposed to one or two or three-year plans because they thought they were going to get fired, they'd probably make smarter moves. Like, it is smarter to stick with Derek Carr and be competitive and kind of wait and see how things play out at the quarterback position. If they had been the ones who drafted Jordan Love, then they're probably putting themselves in a, in a tough spot to have to get rid of Derek Carr, to have to turn it over to Jordan Love eventually, creating a lot of drama that they didn't need to do. And instead, they could sort of wait in the weeds and see what happens if Aaron Rodgers decides that... You know, he's going to get traded somewhere else, or the Packers decide they want to trade him somewhere else, then you're there to say, hey, remember that Henry Ruggs that we drafted? Aaron, you're going to be happy here, right? Um, yeah. You know, so, like, I, I actually think that it's... And this even, is like why Brett Favre, you know, came to the Vikings, because, like, holy cow, look at this team. Right, You right. know, uh, with these two below-average quarterbacks. I mean, even their, you know I mean? <laughs> even their Khalil Mack trade was a, it was a 10-year plan type of yeah, trade. Yeah, it's a long-year plan. It's, They're t- it's a good at, trade. I actually think what the Raiders are doing, and you know, I, who knows with uh, Mr. Davis, the owner, which yeah. that haircut thing. So, yeah, like, there's a, you know, there's that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> I don't know, you know what when, there. <laughs> when when they know they're going to leave Oakland and they're going to go to Las Vegas, and there's going to be this whirlwind of transition and all this stuff mm-hmm. going on. You have to think long term, right? You right. can't hire stuff. You can't, you know. And let's look at the teams that have always looked short term. Washington, the ultimate. They go through head coach after head coach. It's amazing. Jay Gruden lasts as long as he could. 
Uh, but uh, they you know, have for years have gone uh, coach after coach, quarterback after quarterback. Yep. Yep. And the Raiders have said, let's just do what, what, what uh, um, you know, just good franchises do, and they they have someone in this play in a stable thing for a long time, long time. So they're stable through this transition. They're stable for a long and not have the stress of you know they're going to lose fans and pr- win some more fans back too. So like they're sort of starting over anyway. Yeah. And so why not take this thing long term? I actually think it's it's very very smart, and, and they're adding weapons and with all those draft picks that they've had and. And, uh, and, and, you know, if they didn't think they're going to win any time soon, the Cleo Mack trade actually does, you know, make a lot of sense for them. And, and, uh, and Aaron would be, that might be a fit uh, where you go, man, that, that's the football team I want to be on. And, again, like Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry, Brett Favre, he saw that when he came to the Minnesota Vikings. All right, Sage. Well, uh, we're going to continue to get together for a while here. I guess we'll have to work out exactly what the schedule is. Uh, I'm not sure yet. I haven't talked to anybody about it, but uh, we'll be back Monday, right? You're going to be hanging around? Yeah, I think so. Football. You know, why okay. not? All right. Why not? Right? All right. What else I have to do? Yeah, so that's, let's, let's, that's true. Let's, let's continue the speculation. All, all right. Get, all right. Uh, that that sounds perfect. Uh, so this this was fun. Thank you to Brett Favre, and thank you to you, Sage, and we'll, we'll talk to you again on Monday. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Zolgad's going to be in next. Uh, I made a list of things that the Vikings could still do, but I feel like we've got to get Zolgad reaction on what Brett Favre said about Aaron Rodgers. So we will do that when we return. We'll also talk to Mike Sando, who did a big piece on this a couple of days ago, talking to executives all over the NFL about why the Packers drafted Jordan Love. So this is sort of taking over our lives here uh, today, but we'll get Mike Sando's insight when we come back at uh, 3.30 as well. So you're listening to Purple Daily. Time is running short for some cash relief with Score North listening rewards for the month of April. Thanks to our awesome partners, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us and having the Score North app. For your chance at free cash, download the Score North app and enter through listening rewards. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Purple Daily. Last one for you, Brett, and it's uh, it's a difficult question, but I'm going to ask it. Certainly more uh, Trump, uh, difficult to answer since it looks in the future. It's the old crystal ball, and you even said yourself. I'll take somewhere else. You do. You cut me off. You, yeah. th- you think he will not end his career as a Green Bay Packer, just like you? Um, my gut tells me no. Well, Aaron and I get along great, and I did talk to him. I'm not going to uh, talk about all that we talked about, but he uh, he was, let's just say, surprised that, uh, that they went in that direction. I'm not going to tell anybody what I said or what he said, but uh, let's just say here's what he said. <laughs> He's the greatest. The best. We love you, Brett. It's just so it's so quintessential Brett Favre there that he has to say something where he jumps in and cuts off the question. Like, I know what you're going to ask. Yeah, he's playing somewhere else. Like, only Brett can make his way to the headlines. Ison's asking it like, you know, it's a tough question to ask and trying to set it up. So in case Brett bristles about the... The answer? Do I mind answering? No. And he (laughs) just cuts him off. He's like, I'm... no, no, he's playing somewhere. Play That's <laughs> great. Oh, so I if we put it. two and two together here, you talk to Aaron, he was surprised, yep. and he's definitely playing somewhere else. Thank you, Brett, for confirming he, everything we needed to know about the Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers love triangle. He with, should uh, have Matt asked. Lefleur. He should have then asked Brett, okay, 
is he going to be a bear or a Viking? Because <laughs> that's the next question. Those are the only two options. Well, I came up with like a dozen teams that could potentially need a quarterback by next year. And, uh, you know, of, of course, they'll try, if they try to trade him, they'll do it to a team that he doesn't want to go to to be spiteful. Because if you're spiting your quarterback, by not drafting receivers, yep. you're going to spite the hell out of him in any type of trade. But after June 1st, this year, they could trade him and only have a $14 million dead cap, which if you have a rookie quarterback, then you know, it isn't that much of a hit. It's only about $20 million to your quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for next year. So they really couldn't do it. Uh, without a huge dead cap hit before June 1st of next year. So that would be the drama all summer long. Like, when is this going to happen? And what you would end up with, more likely than not, is that a trade gets agreed upon, and then he doesn't actually get officially dealt until after June 1st, because that's sort of the way uh, it plays out salary cap-wise. But after these comments today, I am convinced that we're in our last year of Aaron Rodgers here in Green Bay. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, this is this is so complex now, right? And this is, and the the one thing that would make me feel really good if I was a Vikings fan is this. If nothing else, Green Bay has become downright dysfunctional now. Oh, yeah. Like, this yeah. is not normal. In, in the snap of a finger. And, and, I, and, you know, again, to go back to, for all those people that are like, well, this is how Brett got replaced. No, it wasn't. Aaron Rodgers dropped to 24 after everyone thought it's going to be him or Alex Smith at number one. Mm-hmm. And Ted, rightfully Ted Thompson, who at that point was uh, in charge of his first draft for the Packers, rightfully said, okay, I'll stop his fall. Jordan Love, you called the Vikings. Right. Think about that. You were willing to make a first-round trade with the Minnesota Vikings. The only other time, Collar, that I can find that the Vikings and Packers made a draft day trade between the two teams was in 2008, I believe, that the Vikings sent two draft picks to move up in the fifth round, and the Vikings (laughs) took John David Booty, and the Packers, with the seventh-round pick, I think took Matt Flynn. But like that, okay, that's a day three yeah. minor transaction. Yeah, you trade with anybody on day Brian three. Brian Gutekunst called Rick Spielman and said, how can I get to 22 or 25? That's amazing. That shows a desperation. Yeah. And then Bob McGinn reports yesterday that they're tired of Aaron Rodgers' act. Rob Domofsky of ESPN comes on and says that's not really the case. But here's what I can't get over, though, is Adam Schefter reporting that LaFleur pushed for Jordan Love. Correct. So that tells me that there are some truth to all rumors that we get to use all the time. Thank you, Stefan Diggs. That is part of your legacy, is how true it is that there's truth to all rumors. I've never actually heard an athlete say anything more true than that, than there are truth to all rumors. Are we supposed to believe that that Goody went to to LaFleur and said, I'm drafting Love. And LaFleur's like, oh, no, 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 don't yeah, do that to me right, and Aaron. Right. Of that course, just, I, I can't believe seems that. seems unlikely. Not plausible. Yeah, that seems unlikely. Or that he wouldn't even ask first. That Because the coaches are required to watch tape and submit right. their reports and things like that, not just scouts. So Matt LaFleur would have been watching Jordan Love and giving his feedback. And if he had said, you can't 
draft this quarterback. You got to get me Denzel Mims or LaVisca Chenault. You got to get me a receiver instead. Then I don't think that they go forward with it if the head coach didn't believe in the guy. So since the head coach must have really, really liked what he saw. And I mean, not, it's not just about Rodgers' age. It's also about his contract situation as well. That after 2020, mm-hmm. his salary cap hit shoots up through the roof. Uh, it goes up to over $35 million. And that always seemed a little bit tenuous. I mean, you can restructure these things, right. but, um, you know, if Rodgers wanted to play on that big of a cap hit, that's pretty tough for someone who is no longer a top three quarterback in the NFL. So I get what they're doing, but how they went about it with the rest of the draft to completely ignore weapons for Aaron Rodgers and uh, now to have Favre saying, yeah, well, let's uh, just say the least he was surprised, but I think he's going somewhere else. It's like, okay, I think Brett has sort of uh, spilled all of the beans at this point that Rodgers is not going to want to stay. And now the question is, A, can they still compete with all this drama in 2020? Mm-hmm. And then B, like where where does he go? Like where where would they trade him to? Uh, with a lot of different what teams, AFC and teams to is going to need a quarterback in 2021. I think that you know, the one you would probably look at is the Jets if Sam Darnold is really bad. Oh, wouldn't uh, that be sweet? Yeah, wouldn't that be delicious? Yeah. yeah, we'll trade you to the Jets. You'll play a year there. And then finagle your way to Chicago or the Vikings. <laughs> to the Vikings, of course. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of them. If Ben Roethlisberger retires after this year, the Pittsburgh Steelers would be a team that would certainly look into Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars probably want to draft Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, I mean, if you're the Pitt- Packers and you're trying to Pittsburgh's trade him. Pittsburgh's intriguing. It is. That's but, a good one. But if you're the Packers and you want to trade him to the worst spot you can get, right. then Jacksonville. And I would also put Buffalo on the list because Josh Allen I don't think is good. Yeah. And if Josh Allen can't succeed with Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, and John Brown, a, a good bunch of uh, receivers, and they have some running backs too. I mean, if he can't succeed with them and a good old line, then they're going to be looking for quarterbacks too. They could trade for all, all the players that uh, NFC North teams have spited over the years. So this is this is going to be interesting to watch over the next year, kind of how this plays out. Because I, I know Rami was saying that Aaron Rodgers will have a fire lit under himself, but also Aaron Rodgers has made so much money over his career. Could he say? Sorry, guys, not going to happen. I'm not playing for you anymore. You picked your quarterback. You go with him, and I'm pulling a Carson Palmer. You trade me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and the, the thing, too, is keep in mind, the Favre thing was um, they go to the conference title game. Favre struggles in that game. And then Favre says, when pressed, I'm done. And so so that whole thing took place within months in the spring and summer. Favre never actively, while in, in his mind being screwed by the Packers, was playing games. And he didn't like the Rodgers pick, but there was no question. Like, that was not a, Aaron's going to start in 2005, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and the other thing that just keeps coming back is Green Bay's going dysfunctional. Like, this is not, this is not a, oh, that's sort of a cute drama. This is full-scale drama, and they drafted a running back with their second pick. Which is another completely Very bizarre, bizarre. Very move bizarre. that nobody gets. Yep. So, so this this actually is starting to feel like the Packers of my childhood, when um, the GM and president and coaches were never on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what I think this is. I think this is is the president Mark Murphy fancies himself a football guy. I think Goody is his guy, and mm-hmm. I think Mark Murphy tells Goody what to do. 
I think LaFleur then weighs in. And that's how you get this whole problem. Yeah. For, for years, the Packers were what? Harlan is team president, and he was a really good business guy, but he was not a football guy. Mm-hmm. Ron Wolf, your GM, okay, one of the greatest of all time. And, and then Holmgren was your coach. So that trio all worked in lockstep and made perfect sense. This feels to me like people trying to take their power up a notch, and that's how football teams get into serious, serious trouble. And Matt LaFleur comes from this coaching tree of guys who want quarterbacks that they can command like a video game. And even Kirk Cousins is like this. That's why uh, Kyle Shanahan loves him so much, is that you could basically plug it into the computer, and the computer quarterback will run the bootleg and make the throw that he's supposed to make. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a little notch above this, uh, but he still has some of those same elements, that Garoppolo is not pulling the ball down and running for 30 yards or, or going off schedule. He is... Drops back, hits the spot he's supposed to hit, or rolls out and lets it loose. And the same thing goes for Jared Goff. There are probably other quarterbacks like that, but the guys who aren't really dynamic, but are much more, you put it in the play and they're going to run it exactly how you want to run it. Well, Aaron Rodgers is not that guy. Right. Aaron Rodgers is the in the shotgun changing routes at the line of scrimmage, telling receivers to do things that they're not supposed to do, looking around, moving around. His offensive line is holding, according to Mike Zimmer and all Vikings fans. He's rolling out. He's turned all the way to his left. He spins and flips and throws to somebody. like that. That's his offense. That's how he likes to run it. And you could tell like that there was going to be, even from the start, some disagreement on how things were supposed to go. And what Greg Cosell said yesterday on Rise uh, Rich Eisen's show about how you know there were a lot of throws that maybe Rodgers left out there, and he also had the lowest interception rate in the league, so he deserves credit for that. But a lot of throws that you know maybe Matt Lafleur would have loved to see him make in that system. Mm-hmm. Well, that that would maybe inspire him to say, yeah, draft the next quarterback. I also think the salary cap thing is is a real deal when you're looking down the road here and saying, you know what, maybe that salary cap that we all projected to go up higher, if there are no fans in the stands, it might not do what we think it's going to do yep. by 2021. And if he's taking up $36 million in cap space, that will be very, very difficult for us to handle. And we would rather try to trade him off or rather release him off to look at what it would cost to release him. But I think it's the same same thing where it's about $14 million dead cap if they do it after June 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's as much seeing somebody who has fallen completely off the side of the edge with their play. Rodgers is still very good. It's more of looking down the road a little bit in what type of quarterback Matt LaFleur wants. And all of that is justifiable. That I would be saying, hey, you know, tough whatever, uh, Aaron, but this is how you kind of have to work it sometimes. I personally would have gotten him the receiver and just tried to go after it. Right. But I get it, though. You're looking down the road. What I don't get is the rest of the draft. None of the rest of the draft makes sense. The running back in the second round says, we're going to run and do play action just like the 49ers. Or, like, that's, that's what that says. Yep. And that method, I think if you're trying to be a 49ers cover band, you're going to have a really tough time because they had a very good quarterback, and very good weapons. Yep. They, they, they were, those were not bad weapons in Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders and the best tight end in the game, George Kittle. Like they and had running great, backs, yeah. great weapons. Yeah. So I, I don't understand that at all. Explain this, though. I thought that the whole thing was that Aaron had grown tired of Mike McCarthy 
and that that relationship didn't work, which, you mm-hmm. know what, happens. I get totally get that one. Yep. Uh, and then that we moved on to Matt LaFleur because young Matt was going to come in with his offensive mind and be the perfect sort of swan song coach for Aaron's career. And then transition. Yep. So how did we get in the speed cycle here? How, how did we go from Mike's out so this guy can help Aaron achieve Aaron's uh, potential yeah. in his late 30s? And then, by the way, the Jordan Love of the world will come along. I I think it's because Rodgers did not fully fit in the system the way that LaFleur thought. Because all coaches think, oh, my system's great. So yeah. the, all this quarterback has to do is exactly what I tell him, and then it's going to work out. And that's not Aaron Rodgers. And uh, then you know you combine that with a general manager trying to do the Jerry Krause thing a little bit and look down the road a few years, assuming he's going to have a job. And then Matt LaFleur says, well, you know, I really love the upside of Jordan Love. Uh, and, you know, he's ignoring a lot of information to draft Aaron, uh, Jordan Love where he's j- j- taking him. Because yes. uh, I think I saw that the only guy to ever maybe even appear in a Super Bowl that had led college football in interceptions was Dan Marino. And like that was a million years ago right? Uh, when that happened with Dan Marino at Pitt. And even Marino dropped in the draft. But like that's the last time it's ever happened. Usually if you throw a ton of interceptions in college, you're going to do it at the NFL level too. So you're taking a huge risk. You're trading up. You're using additional draft capital. I mean, none of that really makes a whole heck of a lot of sense for this particular prospect. If you had had an opportunity to draft Tua, then I get it. Oh, totally different. Then totally I get different. it, but, but not, for, not for him. But when is the last time that the Packers have become the Vikings? This is a Vikings level of, I mean, yeah. or, ordinarily, since about, you know, 1992, ordinarily it's like the dysfunctions in Minnesota and the Packers are a really stable team. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in the last 30 years the Packers have always been great, but there has always been a stability generated by quarterbacks, yep. generated by a structure um, from the front office that for the most part has worked. And I'm looking at this now and I'm saying I could see these guys w- winning about six or seven games just based on the fact that it's going to be chaos. Yeah. And then it's going to be absolute chaos. The other part too is that if Rodgers has one of those games where he's not throwing the ball because he just does that sometimes. Yeah. He looks really rough like he did against San Francisco. Are we going to hear calls for hey, put in Jordan Love, see if he can run around and do something. You know we're going to. If you Lef- know that Rodgers is going to have a tough game and that's going to happen. If LaFleur had the guts to draft him, which he clearly did, then he'll probably have the guts to try and play him at some point. And and it, and if Jordan Love is going to, if your prediction's right, and Rogers' um, career in Green Bay is basically essentially over after 2020, then Jordan Love probably will play at some point. Like this could be just all hell breaking loose. Yeah, I oh. mean it's great to watch. I love it. Wisconsin could lead the world in cheese and football drama very soon. Can you imagine um, the amount of beers that are going to be pounded? Of <laughs> yes, upset fans. <laughs> oh well, and so I guess you know I have to lean a little bit toward Phil Mackey's opinion that the <laughs> Vikings should be favorites to win the NFC North still. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to be so bold to pick the Lions because I think they had a, a good draft and a good offseason, and you know why, and anyone who listens to the show knows why. Um, but, you know, with the Bears, I just don't think that they're going to be any better. They're still probably an 8-8 eight and eight type of team. The only team that I would have said, well, you know, last year they beat the Vikings twice, and you know they go to the NFC Championship game, so it's really hard to say that the Green Bay Packers are going to fall way off. But then after they did this and created distractions for themselves and did not help in the biggest area that they needed, whereas the Vikings plugged a lot of holes and 
got some players who could be able to fill in right away. If Ezra Cleveland can start at left tackle and you can move Riley Reef over, then you've improved your offensive line just by doing that. Justin Jefferson can come in and take away some of the production there. You've drafted players in past years who are ready to take a step forward, yep. like Irv Smith, Garrett Bradbury, and Mike Hughes. And you look like you're going to continue to have a good offense with the weapons that you have, assuming they get Delvin Cook signed. And since they didn't draft a running back, that that is bound to happen. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's it's hard for me to say that the expectation for the Vikings, based on what everybody else in the division did, uh, it's hard for me to say that it shouldn't be that the Vikings win the division. And if and when training camps do start, Matthew, I think an important thing, too, and we have both seen this, and some people will be like, oh, be quiet, it's not important. But think about day one stability. Just think about day one, no storylines that are a distraction, right? Like, the, the thing in football that kills me is is the claiming by players, coaches, and some fans, distractions are no problem. We deal with distractions. No, no, no. That depends on level of distraction. Yes. And the Vikings right now have done, to their credit, a very good job. And look, Diggs being gone will hurt. But guess what? That took out... a. A large reason why they, they made that trade, I don't care what Rick tells us, is because it took out a guy that they knew was going to be a distraction and subtracted him for draft picks, okay? Right. Yep. And it was a good trade, uh, but Stefan Diggs, if they were quite calm about Stefan Diggs and said he's not going to be a problem, my guess is they don't trade him. But the Vikings have done a good job, for the most part, since Mike got here in 2014, of trying their best to eliminate distractions. Why? Because they know distractions are a problem. Green Bay, ripe with distractions now. Yep. Detroit, as far as I'm concerned, Good draft, probably. Dumpster fire, though. Head coach is terrible. And I don't know that Chicago knows what Chicago is doing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm Chicago, with you. I think Chicago switched into let's try to keep our jobs mode. Yep. But then them drafting more tight ends did not make a whole right. lot of sense. And the tight end they to took is good, but what? The depth chart's got 10 now? Yeah. Like, what are uh, you doing, nine. Ryan Pace? Yep. Nine, ten tight ends. Yeah, please do not forget about them cutting Dax Raymond and then bringing in their big signing of the offseason is Jimmy Graham. And then that, yeah. and that doesn't really and, do a whole lot. And Nick there. Foles might be okay, but Nick Foles, Nick Foles' track record as a primary quarterback outside of Philadelphia has been spotty, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, he is working with John D. Filippo, and we know what that means. It's just, uh, oh, boy. yeah, I know. If there was anybody that that he could work with, but that didn't exactly uh, work out very well when they were in Jacksonville last year. Right. So put odds on it for me, and we're going to have Mike Sando. Um, come up next and uh, talk with us about what executives around the league are saying about Jordan Love being with the Packers. And we'll also ask him what he thinks of the Vikings draft as well. But I want you to give me your top three odds where Aaron Rodgers finishes his career. Top three. Oh, boy. Um, I like <sighs> of your trades, I will say uh, Pittsburgh is three. And I'm not joking. Finishing career. Now, I don't think he goes directly from Green Bay uh, to these places, but Pittsburgh is three because it just makes some sense post Ben. Yep, yep. Number two is the Vikings. <laughs> and number one is he deviates from the Favre script and goes Bears. And think about it. If you get the opportunity, if you're the Chicago Bears in 2022 to get this guy, you're not going to pass it up. You're not going to pass it up. And and I don't see, I don't think Aaron will want to go the exact Brett route. So I'll give some outside shot there, number two to the Vikings, but I really could see him easily in Chicago. Okay, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go AFC teams only here and say Pittsburgh, Vegas, and Denver. 
And the reason I say Denver is because we've decided <laughs> Drew Locke is their quarterback, but we don't know anything about Drew Locke. Right. And if he doesn't work out, and then they decide, all right, we're trading him, and Drew Locke next year, despite all the weapons that they drafted him, goes 4-12 and in that division. And they fire Vic Fangio, and it's a tire fire again. And once again, John Elway has failed you, a quarterback. He's going to say, I've got one more shot at this, so they're going to fire me even though I'm John Elway, and that's to go get Aaron Rodgers. And, hey, it worked for Denver before, right? Going out and getting Peyton Manning, they got a Super Bowl and another Super Bowl appearance out of it. I could very well see that. I don't see the Packers trading him anywhere in the NFC. No, I, I agree It's going to be that. entirely AFC teams. He'll force his way back here. And if you go... But if you go somewhere like Denver or Pittsburgh, then you have a stable franchise that you're probably staying with. I also think John Gruden, that his antennas shot up a thousand miles in the air when they drafted Jordan Love about potentially getting Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. Because they've been building that team, not even really for this year, but for next year. They've got a bunch of first-round picks. Like Jacobs is a good player. The safety they picked last year can play, but he got hurt. Henry Ruggs is exciting. Uh, I think they for the most part, outside of the Damon Arnett uh, deal, did pretty well in the draft. They came home with a lot of good players. So if your roster's stacked and ready to go, I mean, it might be a good place for Aaron. And John Gruden is totally the type of guy to make that move. So, well, this is keep an eye on it for sure. And we appreciate Brett Favre chiming in uh, to add to the drama. Does any team do quarterback breakups like the Green Bay Packers? It's amazing. Like, they have these guys for these Hall of Fame careers, and then they're just the nastiest divorces ever. It is never uh, simple when you have a legendary player with a franchise, as we're seeing in Last Dance with Michael Jordan. Sure. All right, Mike Sando from The Athletic comes up next. We're going to ask him what he thinks of this drama in Green Bay and the Vikings draft, what executives around the league are saying. Also, Jed, I've got a list of five things the Vikings could still do that I need your feedback on before right. the end of the show. So we'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. You may not currently be thinking about blood donation, but blood is needed every day by patients facing a range of serious illness even during the coronavirus pandemic. If you're healthy, please schedule an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or use the keyword red over at scorenorth.com. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. Minnesota sports fans, we want to hear from you as we continue to battle the coronavirus pandemic together. Got something to say about Minnesota sports? Need to tell us something right now? Leave us a mic drop message over on the free Score North mobile app. You may even hear yourself on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, Score North social media, or that free Score North mobile app. We've been talking about the Brett Favre comments today from the Rich Eisen Show, and he was asked what the... Uh, what the Packers draft send, what kind of a message that sends to Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the Packers. Here's what he said. Getting back to winning now and the importance of having the pieces in place or almost all the pieces in place and you, you selecting not only in the first round, but other rounds, other positions other than a, an immediate need for our offense is, uh, to me, it just sends the wrong message that we're, we're preparing for the future now rather than we're going to try to win this thing next year. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad here, and we welcome in one of the most connected human beings in the world, uh, Mike Sando, at least in the NFL, Mike. I don't know about your connections otherwise. I don't even... 
I mean, connections to my family in the in this house. All I'm doing is working with this draft. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go reintroduce myself. Yeah, go go upstairs and say hello. Uh, you know, pull yourself out of the draft bunker. Um, so, Mike, Mike, we were just given. You know, Jonathan said in the uh, download there that uh, you know we're all fighting coronavirus. The way we're doing it is with Packer drama. Like that's the best we can do for you. Oh my god, that, that yeah. is our small contribution. Um, tell yeah. us. Just I, I read your piece uh, of what executives thought of the move and, and a lot of fascinating uh, different opinions there. So tell us what uh, your takeaway was from talking to people around the league about the pick and where things go from here of Jordan Love and Green Bay. Yeah, I agree with Brett Favre. I mean, I think you can see the contrast with what other teams have done. You know, when Peyton Manning was with the Colts, even getting older, they were adding receivers, adding tackles, you know, doing things to help get them over the top. The, the Saints are clearly doing that, right? I mean, they've kept drafting Michael Thomas's and Alvin Kamara's. Brandon Cooks was a little bit before that, but they're trying. They took a tight end this year, you know, relatively early. Uh, they just, whatever it takes, right? So I, I agree that this sends that message. And, uh, you know, there's more to the story, I think, with the relationship between Rodgers, the coach, the GM, where it all stands. But um, I wouldn't be – I'd almost be more surprised in Green Bay two years from now than uh, if he were gone. I could see him asking for a trade next year. Mm-hmm. I could see something coming together like that. I and mean, some of it will depend how this year goes. But I think it's the beginning um, of the end. Do you like Jordan Love, Mike? Well, sure, but I mean, look, we take a you take a quarterback first overall. You don't know what you're doing, right? I mean, you don't. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, he's a what's what are the chances he's a Pro Bowl quarterback? Fifty percent, thirty percent? They're not seventy five percent, right? Right, thirty right. percent. So, yeah. I mean, that's just the calculation. Look, I mean, if he if, he, if you if you buy a lottery ticket and win, it doesn't mean you're a smart investor, <laughs> right? I mean, it means you won the lottery. So it's a calculated gamble, and you just have to say, okay, can we know how this guy is? And I think that Jordan Love seems to be fit the profile of kind of a hit or miss, boomer bust guy, right? Yep. I mean, it's not like this is Andrew Luck coming out, and we, you know, you're just like, okay, we know exactly what we're getting. You don't know, so you're willing to take a gamble that compromises your ability to uh, win. Now, think of it this way: their first two picks. The, the second-round pick is a running back who's going to take the ball out of Rodgers' hands some this year. The first-round pick is a quarterback who might take it out of his hands completely in the future. So what does that do to help us beat Minnesota or Chicago, right? Um, how do you go the whole draft? So to me, this is salvaged a little bit if we're seeing them make a big move for a receiver and a trade or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you yeah. can still you can reset the narrative if you're Green Bay, and that's what I would be doing. You know, Mike, I, I was really stunned by not just the Jordan Love pick, but by as you mentioned the rest of the draft, and even they get the running back, but ignore the wide receiver position the whole way. It almost seemed intentional, and in the Midwest, we know passive aggressive. Okay, <laughs> like it's our thing. <laughs> so. I mean, this is the most passive aggressive thing in the in the entire world, right? To not draft. I mean, it, it couldn't be more obvious how they feel about Aaron Rodgers at this point. It's great because Bob McGinn's column on the Athletic uh, used the term passive aggressive to describe Aaron Rodgers, right? Which I think we could all agree there's some of that with him. Oh yeah. But like the team's doing it back even better. You know, it's just it's just like an uncomfortable dinner, family dinner. <laughs> you know, we're all we're all sitting there and somebody said something that didn't sit right, and it's like, how are we all going to proceed here? And I, <laughs> I think another factor to consider here is that uh, 
there's not an owner of the team in Green Bay. You know, well, I there think are many that owners. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. So, now that's a, that's like a big deal with this, yep. with how these things, with how the biggest egos egos on your team are handled. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and we may be seeing a second year coach and a second year GM and a fifteen year quarterback. You know, and it may not be a really happy camping trip this weekend. How great though is is to this day, Mike Sando, Brett Favre still. Of all the guys that we have had the joy of coming across, some jerks, some great guys, is there anybody better in, in the sport, though, than Favre, who, if you if you can get him on the phone, will spill the beans quicker than anybody and do it with elaboration? <laughs> He's the greatest, yeah, Mike. Yeah. He's the greatest. He, he, he really is. I think we all got a little tired of the drama at the end where every 10 minutes, is he going to play or not, but... Um, I even think that was genuine, you know. I mean, I think he's a pretty genuine guy, and I, and yes, he's a, he's a treasure. Um, I think you can say that in Minnesota, knowing he's not lining up against you anymore, too. You know, enough times gone by that I think you really you really love him now because he he ain't gonna throw that pass on third and eight to beat you. <laughs> Uh, talking with a senior writer from The Athletic, Mike Sando. Um, Mike, so you lead me perfectly into the next area of the conversation, which is uh, we have the Detroit Lions head coach has some problems getting along with his players. Chicago just got a mediocre quarterback to possibly usurp their other mediocre to bad quarterback. Uh, the Packers are wrought with drama. And this here's the Vikings who are getting A's across the board for their draft. I mean, I, I think it's hard not to look at this and say, well, the Vikings should be the happiest people in the world th- this week. Yeah, I mean, exactly. No one's talking about, you know, Stefan Diggs or, or Kirk Cousins' contract or whatever. I mean, I think you feel great after the draft, especially when the other teams in the division are having issues. I mean, I think in Minnesota's in a, you know, in a transition of its own, but it doesn't feel uncomfortable. You know, it doesn't feel like uh, it's funny. You, you would have thought that this could be a pivotal year, and it is. But I mean, you know, Zimmer, intensity is how long can it last? But I think the fire in the Vikings' house is not as hot as the fire in the other houses in the division, so you'll take it, you know? Exactly. Uh, so the, the Vikings made 15 picks, and I, I think a lot of people are convinced, partially Mike on tonnage, that they had a great draft. When you look at a draft with what is the record for the seventh-round uh, event of 15 picks, do you automatically say that's a good draft, or is there more vetting to do in your mind about assessing this thing? Oh, there's way more. You know, I mean, I think... I think you can say this. The draft makes sense, okay? They traded Diggs and they drafted a receiver with the pick they got. Boom, right? They subtracted a couple of corners that, that you know weren't going to help them anymore. They drafted a couple corners early, right? They didn't get Trent Williams, so what did they draft in the second round tackle? So, I mean, it all makes sense. There's nothing that, you know, and then fundamentally from a, how you handle your business standpoint, adding picks next year, you know, they're always adding picks. So, and I think you can see a plan. You can see um, rhyme and reason to what they're doing, and and that makes it a good draft. But we're going to look back in two years, and, you know, if three of the top five picks are bust, that's all anyone's going to remember, you know. <laughs> we have no idea.
Hey, Mike, what, what was your feeling? Now, if, it seems like uh, six months ago, but with the Trent Williams deal and with the Vikings, there was one report that Trent Williams had said he didn't want to come to the Vikings. There was also another that said that uh, he would have had to sign a contract extension. That's what the Vikings wanted. He ends up in San Francisco for not a whole heck of a lot of value. And then Ron Rivera says today, yeah, you know, we could have traded him for a first last year, but somebody screwed that up. I mean, what what is your feeling on what happened with Trent yeah. Williams? Yeah, I think from a Redskins standpoint, they were just done with it. Trent Williams was done with it. There was too much water under that bridge, and they couldn't do it. So, so they had to be moved. And then I think from a where you go standpoint, the player controls a lot of that, right? I mean, uh, and then so his connection, Trent Williams' connection with Kyle Shanahan, um, I think were a big deal. Now that could have complicated the trade too, because I don't think there's any love lost between Dan Snyder and Kyle Shanahan. But mm-hmm. um, you know that. I think was an interesting part of it. And then Joe Staley, the left tackle for the 49ers, conveniently not announcing his retirement until afterwards sort of made it seem like a less desperate situation for San Francisco. All those things come together. I think we can conclude that this player wanted to play for Kyle Shanahan, and that's probably yeah. the number one thing that helped get the deal done. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, and it makes sense because he's a perfect fit in that system from what he was doing before, and they have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. So, all right, before we let you go, Mike, um, tell me what you heard about the behind-the-scenes stuff for the draft, what executives' feeling was, because... I loved how it got presented by ESPN overall, and it might have been the most entertaining draft to watch in a very, very long time. And then I also thought, if you're an executive, maybe you realize you don't have to lock yourself in the combine uh, compound for you know 19 hours a day or something and get no sleep. You can actually like talk to your family and still draft people, and everything will be okay. So, well, what did you hear? Yeah, relief that it went well. I mean, there was some, you know worry that something bad would happen. I talked to a exec yesterday who said, look, if we had 10, the draft 10 more times, maybe something would happen. But it worked well. I think there's practices, like you said, that now that they've had to do them, whether it's some of the meetings with draft uh, prospects over, you know, Zoom or just on your computer, uh, same thing with scouting, you know, maybe not having to be on the road quite as much. I think some of those things will carry forward. I think that's going to be true in society in general. Mm-hmm. You know, why do I have to spend five hours in traffic every day? Not five hours, but you know what I mean, a couple hours in traffic, um, when really we, we ha- are all familiar now with using um, this technology, and even um, Gene and accounting made it work. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, why can't we just do, let's just do this. And you know what, don't come in on Friday. I think there's going to be things like that. I was talking to a front office guy yesterday who said, you know, they were actually having meetings about, you know, what are the practices that are going to carry over. So I think it's definitely going to change things. Yeah. Well, I could tell you from personal experience, because I was on Zoom calls with uh, recently drafted Vikings for my entire Saturday, the best conference calls we've ever gotten, because usually the guy can't hear us on the phone with his family in the back and he doesn't know who's talking yeah. to him. So, I mean, we got better quotes than we've ever gotten. And I was like, okay, we could do Zoom calls with these guys for the rest of existence. So uh, that's a good I point. I know. You know, even like I'm at the kind of calls, but I was thinking, you know, heck, you could just do it. You could have the faces on there too. Now I might have to shave and you know put it, take my hat off or something. And get a nice, get a nice Adam Schefter backdrop there, you know, with the bookcase. But, but uh, you know, why not, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, Mike, you do awesome work. Really gra- uh, glad to catch up with you. People should read everything you do at the Athletic. Uh, the best behind the scenes insight that you're going to find. So it's great to catch up with you, man. Thanks for coming on. 
Appreciate that. I've got a big piece coming tomorrow on the draft with a lot of uh, inside stuff, so look for that. Well, I will throw you a retweet, I promise. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I mean, look, you don't just get retweets from me. It usually takes uh, really cute dogs or Santa's something very funny. Santa's no, yeah, incredibly solid good reporter. stuff. All right, before we wrap up for today, Judd, and you're coming up with Mackie Judd with Rami, I've got some things the Vikings could still do. He mentioned the Packers. Like, if the Packers make some sort of trade for a receiver, then all of a sudden we could get a little bit of easing of the tensions there mm-hmm. to help out Aaron. And there still are receivers that are out there. I mean, we saw Brandon Cooks already get traded this year, but Elshon Jeffrey could still potentially be moved. The Eagles added some weapons there, so you know maybe there's a, a possibility of a deal. But the Vikings... After signing their draft class, mm-hmm. and if they sign Anthony Harris to an extension, they could still have a little bit of cap room left over, and they signed enough undrafted free agents to get to 87 players on the roster. Not 90, So they're three away 87. from the magic number. So I've made a list of a couple of things that okay. the Vikings could still potentially do, and I want you to tell me if you like any of them. All right. One would be to call Jadavian Clowney. And see what he wants for a one-year prove-it deal. What's your best guess there? Do you, do you have a financial thought on that? The fact that a guy like that, who ordinarily, by the way, would be long gone, like this is not normal. What's your best guess on yeah, that? Yeah, I think it's somebody who highly overvalued what they did in the last couple of years because Clowney is a great player, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of really great players at that position. It's all of a sudden started to go back the other way where everyone was saying, oh, you got to pay your edge rushers. They're getting the pressure. They're causing the quarterbacks to struggle. And that's true. But when you pay a Khalil Mack $20 million, Absolutely. it takes up as much cap space as a quarterback and it becomes very difficult to do other things. Yep. And and the value of that position is it's it's high, but it's limited. It's not quarterback. Right. Right. So I think that Clowney valuing himself that high put a, put himself in a very tough position. And now he has to look for a one year deal where he could go somewhere like Sheldon Richardson, get a bunch of sacks. It'd be and intriguing, wouldn't it? Yes. Of course. I, of I course, would be yeah. I would be in on making that phone call and at least trying to compete for him. Yes, I, I would I'm with you at least that. be checking in and seeing, yes. is there any way that we can create a little bit of cap space here, yep. a little bit more? You can, I've, I would estimate, this is just my guess, that if they sign Anthony Harris to an extension, you end up with something in the ballpark of like five more million, mm-hmm. and he'll probably have a $6 million cap hit in the first year. That's just a guess for me, but that's where it was for uh, uh, Anthony Barr last year. His cap hit for last year was only $5.6 million, despite that big deal that he signed. Okay. They could do that again with Anthony Harris, and then that puts you with enough money to sign him maybe to a one-year deal, like one-year, $10 million all guaranteed. Super, intri- super yeah. intrigued. Yep. Yeah. all right. Make good deal. Uh, Everson, bring him back. What do you think? I mean, look, the I'm guy... Mo- I'm the more guy- in the clowny... I- I'm more intrigued by your clowny um, um, scenario, possibly. Yep. But if that's not going to be the case, I don't see how Griffin doesn't run back here. Like, if I'm the Vikings, I call Griffin back and I say, I know it's tough. And and the climate is really, really bad. And you clearly thought that, that you were going to get something that we weren't prepared to give you. And you found out the answer to that is no. So if Clowney is not in their plans, I call Griffin and I say, here is the deal. It's still there. We'll do this. But the difference there is... I'm not going to work too hard with him. I'm going to tell him, right now you don't have a job. Like, you are desperate. Yeah. I will give you a job. You, you know our scheme, our yep. defense. Yep. 
uh, basically come back in 2020 and pretend like it was 2019 again. Right. And, and then let's just not talk about that Instagram it, post of you saying goodbye. Exactly. And, all that. and, if yeah. th- and guess what? If things go back to normal in one year, it's going to be fine. And he could probably get a job at that point on who knows, a two or three year contract. So I would do that. But the clowny call intrigues me more than the Griffin call, if that makes sense. No, it does, um, because Clowney is younger, even though he has some injury history. Um, he is a guy that you can move around on the defensive line and things like that. You can line him up inside, outside, at linebacker. I mean, you can do a lot of things with Clowney. And Griffin, in the second half of last season, did fade. Mm-hmm. That concerns you with his age and some of his history. But um, for a one-year deal for $7 million to come back and say, sorry, let's just forget about when I said goodbye, Minnesota, because no one else would actually pay me, I, I would do that. I think that they have to add one more person at that position. Even though they sure. drafted guys for that spot, yep. they really only drafted one guy that you could see playing in the first year, and I'm not even sure that DJ Wanham has much of a chance there. Um, and uh, Kenny Wilkies, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is a seventh-round pick. Hard to know right. if he's going to make any sort of impact. Afadi Adenabo is your starter. You need people to rotate in with him. Um, so Vinny Curry's still out there. There could be other options if they don't want to bring back Everson. All right. Idea number three mm-hmm. is to sign whatever is hanging out there still on the interior offensive line market to just bring in guys to compete. So Ron Leary, who got let go by the Denver Broncos, he was good once upon a time. Uh, Kalechi Osimile is still oh, out yeah, there. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he was a beast. Yes, he was once really upon good at one time. time. Yeah. There's a handful of other names that I could give you, but should they spend these last three roster spots on just some veteran offensive linemen and see what's the depth like there? What's the depth like right now? It's hard to figure out because we don't know what they think of Ezra Cleveland as far as where he fits in. Now, initially my thought on it was, Hey, maybe he could play guard first and then kick out to tackle. But then people who have watched him closer have felt like he should play tackle first uh, and just stay there, like not have to change positions or maybe not. He wouldn't fit as well as a guard, so you'd move Reef inside. Does Reef go inside in that world? Most likely scenario is that Ezra Cleveland is just not playing it next year, like not anything other than a swing tackle okay. because they need to develop him. He still went to Boise State. Sure. Uh, and so if that's the case, plus no real offseason aside from training. That's games. going to be a huge problem. So if that's the case, what you have is Dakota Dozier, Brett Jones, yeah. Drew Samia, yeah. Pat Elfline. Samia might be okay. I don't know. That's well, Elfline's not, not okay. Uh, he's still in the mix, though. So, I mean, that, that's why I think it's a, not a bad idea yes. to grab one then of yes. these or then yes, multiple, I would do what you just said. multiple veteran offensive linemen or potentially bring back Josh Klein. He wasn't that bad. He At least one good. guard. Yeah. Um, you could also sign. There are good corners on the free agent market still. This is actually, I, I think this is the most pressing need that they have. That's not to say that three guys that they drafted over the weekend, as uh, starting with Gladney, are not going to develop. But this is a position, and we have seen this before. If you force feed a kid yep. too much, you can ruin him. Yeah. Okay. So I am not going to say Jeff Gladney's not starting opening day. What's gone wrong here? I'm going to say that's a good idea. I am signing at least one, if not two, but one for sure veteran corner that I know I can plug and play. And if that guy is replaced by Gladney in week eight, that's fine. But to me, the Gladney one concerns me because if the ask is too much, I have seen cornerbacks ruined by teams and I don't and they never really got the chance to develop then. They're just done. 
Um, so you have Logan Ryan, Drake Kirkpatrick, Prince of Makamura, Akib Talib, all players. How about Kirkpatrick as far as being a Zim guy from the Cincinnati days? You know, that always comes up. I know. But they've never done it. Well, and they tried with Iloka at safety, and we all yeah. said, this is oh, a Zim, yeah. Zim guy. It's going to be great, and the, he didn't play. The only other one was Emmanuel Lemur, and that didn't really work out either. So That might be uh, too much of an assumption that he's going to be great. But yes, I I think they have to do that one. Amaka I like for this. Logan Ryan seems like he's in the same situation as Clowney where he thought he was going to get way more money, and now everybody's got their corners and set. He was Titans Patriots at one time, right? Yep, yep. Uh, he's like an average player. I mean, yeah. he's not, oh, yeah, any, not. He's not anything above that, but I think he thinks he is. Okay. So that might be the issue there. Uh, Riley Reef, mm-hmm. trade him <laughs> and sign Jason Peters to a one-year contract. He plays left tackle. He trains Ezra Cleveland on the ins and outs of being an elite left tackle. Uh, you improve can you trade that, Reef in that contract? Can I trade that contract? Yeah, you can. I think so. If I could uh, trade that contract, probably, yeah, I'd be up for that. There's That's probably, fine. You would make $8 million in cap space, which would open you up to signing, probably give you enough to sign Peters to a one-year deal. Okay. And this would be his last year in the league for sure. Yeah, but he's that's fine. Even last year when he was in, he's one of the top five tackles in the league. Yeah. I mean, he, he's hurt from time to time, and that is a concern. But let's say he plays 12 games for you, and Ezra Cleveland plays four. You feel pretty good about that. Like That's your rookie who's getting some experience, and your veteran who is giving you some of the best left tackle play in the league if you know he could still hold up. What's the Peters contract? I mean, it would have to be like one year, nine million guaranteed, all guaranteed. Okay, that's probably what you would aim for there. That's not terrible, though. Yes, yes. Do you like all these ideas? Do you like all five ideas? Uh, well, the Griffin one, I did. <laughs> the the Griffin one, I would put second to the Clowney one. The cornerback one, I think you have to do. I think you have uh, the, the Reef trade. If it's okay, I, I mean, yeah. Do I like? Do I like the thought of? Jason Peters training in Ezra Cleveland. Yes, I do. But if you were to ask me to rank the five ideas that you just gave me, I would say veteran cornerback is one. You have to do that. Uh, Clowney would probably be two. Uh, Griffin and the Peters one would probably be four and five. Uh, Because the Griffin one, it would need to be on my terms completely. Like, I'm not calling him and saying, how can we work this out? We love you. I'm calling him and saying, you don't have a job. The market's gone completely fluey. It's not your fault, but it's gone upside down. We will give you a job on our terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the cornerback idea, a Kirkpatrick or somebody, I think they that that is so important. The last thing I want to see them do is draft corners, rush th- them in, and have Mike basically chew them out constantly. And by year two, they're they're head cases. Give me odds on these. Like like, what's the most likely thing that they? The do? cornerback one, I think, is ninety five percent. Mike Zimmer's not crazy. There is no way that he is going to say, you know what's a great idea? I'm going to, after uh, no spring program, I'm going to show up at training camp and I'm going to train these guys. There's no way, right? Yeah. I say there's a 95% chance that that happens. I think the clowny idea or something along those lines is probably at about 40%. Oh, my second one, the offensive line, you've got to do something at guard. Yeah. That one I would put at 75 to 80%. At least one veteran guy you have who to do gets something added to the mix. And that might be Josh Klein coming you back. You can't assume that these 15 picks, even the top end, are going to step in day one and contribute when you have a virtual offseason program. Yeah. You can't do that to them. And, and we really don't know. We got a little bit of a look in Week 17 at Drew Samia, but the Bears didn't care in that game. Correct. And it's very hard to say... In that, from that one game, how much progress he's actually made to be able to go up against the NFC North. Bears don't care. Packers are a complete mess. The Lions are the Lions. This division, 
It's been a fun have to play a game. Yeah, it's been a fun day. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. Tomorrow it'll be Courtney Cronin and I for the entire day and uh, much more to get to as we continue to break down um, the dust settling on the draft. So we'll talk to you tomorrow on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.